You are now listening to Greg Talks. My name is Greg. I'm currently 19 years old, and I am in community college currently. And today I wanted to talk about Stranger Things Season 3. And man, what a season. This, hands down, has probably have, probably has to be the best Stranger Things season that I have watched compared to the last two seasons, of course. And... Uh, I want to say that it left me, it, it didn't leave me an emotional wreck, but it, it had like a very sad vibe to it. I mean, it, it was dark and it was funny at times, but it also had like an underlying, very emotional, sad finality to it, which I'm going to talk about later on. But uh, I'll, I will be breaking this review down into different sections. Uh, The first part of the review is just going to be me detailing what I liked about the overall story. Uh, Then the second part of the review will be getting into uh, the specific character arcs and what I liked and didn't like about them. And then the final part will be a overall thoughts section. So to get started with this story, um, also, spoiler warning for anybody who has not seen Stranger Things Season 3 or the previous seasons. You have been warned. Now, the story starts off uh, with uh, the gang. You know, you got a uh, Hopper, Will's mom, Will, Mike, Eleven, uh, and all those guys um, pretty much hanging out still. But Dustin... Uh, he's been away as, you know, from the previous season, he had to like go out of town to like a camp. So he's coming back and they meet up with him and essentially, uh, you know, they surprise him and all, which was kind of like a a funny scene. Uh, and then you go over to, um, Nancy and Jonathan, who are now working at a local newspaper, uh, company. I forgot what it was called, but it's essentially like, you know, a newspaper company uh and they're doing their thing there however of course nancy is facing uh some did some discrimination uh with her workers and co-workers and jonathan is doing uh the photography and working in the the dark room uh and that's all there really is to them and then you get to will's mom who's you know working at like the I don't know. It's not a pawn shop, but it's like a gift store kind of thing. Her small business and uh, Hopper, uh, you know, he's just kind of being a dad now watching Eleven and Mike, uh, who are now like in a relationship or steady going one at this point. Uh, And they're like seeing each other at his house. And of course, Hopper doesn't like that. And then you have uh, Billy. Uh, who's still being Billy, uh, hitting on older women at the pool as he was, he's working as a lifeguard. And then who else am I forgetting? Oh yeah, Steve. Yeah, Steve's working at an ice cream shop in the newly opened Starcourt Mall with a new character. She's not a new character. I don't know if she was in the previous season, but Robin, to me at least, uh, was seemed new but maybe that's because this is the first time he actually had a role because in the previous two seasons she didn't matter um but yeah that's 
the Riz with that. And then uh, I think that was all the characters. I probably, I might've forgot maybe one, but I think I said all of them. Uh, and then as it progresses from there, uh, we see a Russian or a few Russian scientists working on opening the gate, uh, which 11 closed during the last season. And, uh, really we didn't get a motivation as to why they're opening the gate. Uh, we'll just chalk it up to curiosity. Um, but yeah, they're opening up the gate, uh, to try to get back to harness whatever is in the upside down. And then you see like the mind flare, uh, kind of seeping back out, but they weren't able to fully get it open because, uh, the machine like malfunctioned and then it stopped working and it blew up disintegrating all the workers that were around it. And then the whole closed back up. And then we cut over to, uh, the steel mill where you actually see the old mind flare that if you remember from season two, it came out of will when they exercised it, it went into the steel court mall and it has been residing there and has reawakened. And, now is like summoning all these rats that are like exploding. Then we move on to the next part of the story uh, where um, Billy is hitting on Mike's mom and Mike's mom is, you know, agrees to go out with Billy and meet him later on that night. Then as Billy is getting prepped to go uh, meet up with Mike's mother um, his car crash is near the steel mill and he's wondering like what the F going on here? Like, you know, and then he looks at his car and his car's like totaled. And then, um, uh, the, this arm just comes out and grabs him and then just pulls him back into the steel mill and then down into the basement part of it. Um, and then the next time we see him, uh, he gets up and he basically is in the upside down for a minute. Um, which they didn't really like go into that much, like how he just like kind of was in the upside down for a second, but then got back out. So, you know, and then the mind flower was telling him that, uh, he wants him to basically amass an army, uh, to, you know, stop 11 and like, you know, take over the world villain shtick. But, uh, Billy, like, he's got that, and then Billy starts walking back home, uh, and we don't, like, see Billy, like, the in-between time, like, from this moment and onwards, he's kind of gone. Then you cut over to um, Hopper, who uh, is trying to basically hit on Will's mother, uh, which he has been trying to do for really, not since season one, really since season two, Um so he decides to go out, like, you know, try to get her to go out on a date with him. Uh, she rejects him, of course, because, you know, she's still getting over um, Bill's death from season two. And uh, she basically says no. And then I think uh, Hopper also asks, uh, asks Will's mom if he could get help with trying to get Mike separated from L. And she says, well, you know, if you just have like a little heart to heart with both of them, then they'll understand and then they'll 
you know, set boundary. You basically can set boundaries to where they're not always on top of each other all the time. Hopper takes this into consideration, and then he, uh, you know, starts to formulate um, a letter, basically. Um, well, it's not really a letter, but more of a speech that he's going to tell L and Mike about his uh, feelings. And he takes the paper, he goes on later that night, um, only to have Mike and uh, L, or more so Mike, disrespects what he was trying to say, which forces Hopper to go out and talk to him man to man and tell him, stay away from my daughter, because L is Hopper's daughter at this point. And she said, I might allow you to see her if you, you know you know, don't keep in contact with her all the time. And then, you know, Mike, uh, pretty much knowing this, you know, Mike, there's going to be problems because L doesn't know this, but, um, Mike understands and he complies with Hopper's demands. Uh, then we go over to, uh, L who, um, shoot. Yeah. L is over Hopper's house though. But then like, you know, because Mike, um, basically stop coming over. L is getting concerned. And then Mike lies to L to, you know, make L not worry. And so he could kind of get her off of his back for, because of the things that Hopper said. And then L gets with Maxie. Wait, no, not Maxie, Maxine. Um, and Maxine, you know, is trying to help L kind of, uh, lighten up and become her own person because, as far as the series has gone on, Elle's identity has been dictated by those around her, and she hasn't really formulated her own identity in the story. Yet. She's just kind of been the girl that has powers, but she hasn't really got a chance to be a girl. So she goes out with Maxine. Maxine kind of like shows, you know, Elle a little bit how to be, how to have fun, essentially, and they go out shopping, and that was kind of a cute scene right there. Um, and let's see, Maxine... I'm trying to think of us. Dustin. Oh yeah. When Dustin like reunites with the gang, um, Dustin, um, says he now has a girlfriend named Susie who like at the start, you know, I'm not going to lie. I didn't believe it at first because for one thing, like even if he did have a girlfriend, like how is he going to get in contact with her like all the way? Because it's to my understanding, she was in a different country, but I, I might be wrong. She might have been in a different state, but like long distance relationships, especially in a time where there weren't cell phones, uh, was very pretty impossible because there would be no way to communicate except, I guess, through radio, which Dustin had and is pretty pretty knowledgeable of. So he gets the gang to come up with him, and he says, "Like, do you want to help me set up this radio tower so you guys can all talk to Susie?" And of course, they all agree because they're interested. And then, uh. Uh, Dustin sits out there like for hours on end and doesn't get anything. And eventually Lucas, Mike, uh, Maxine and them leave. And then will like, he's the last one he's about to leave though. And then Dustin tries to get him back. But, uh, Will says like, he's got to go back home because will is still going through like post-traumatic stress disorder. Like he's kind of over it, but it still bothers him. And especially because the mind flare is back open, he gets a little tingle in the back of his neck. Um, and I was very surprised they didn't make a mention of like spider sense um, in Stranger Things because essentially that's what Will had basically just with like spider sense. You know, I get I, I'm getting a little tingle 
in the back of my neck. So he then goes uh, back home, and then we go over to Jonathan and Nancy. Uh, Nancy, of course, gets um, word from an, a woman about like rats uh, exploding or like something to do with rats and fertilizer. And she decides to take it upon herself to pursue the story. So uh, Nancy comes up with an excuse to tell her boss if she could leave uh, her job for a minute. Um, and of course, you know, they let her take a break. Um, and I really don't even blame her because like the, those guys are kind of douchebags. So she leaves with Jonathan and Jonathan's a little concerned because he's like, look, Nancy, we, I mean, despite them being douchebags and despite, you know, you being hurt, uh, we need to keep our jobs. And Nancy understands this. And he said, don't worry about it though. As soon as I like find, you know, as soon as I, as soon as we get the scoop on this though, they're going to say it's a great idea and they're going to make it a headline. And then we'll be heroes essentially for bringing attention to this, you know? And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, but you know, also at the same time, the fact that they don't respect you. I mean, what makes you think they're going to take you, this story any more seriously than anything else that you have done. But anyway, they pursue it. They go to the old lady's house and they talk to, I believe her name is Miss Driscoll and they take them down to her basement and they find a rat in a cage there and they find like fertilizer that's been ripped open and then uh, they try to find something more with the story, but really they just come to the conclusion that, okay, something to do with fertilizer and rats or rats eating fertilizer um, and other chemicals. And that's what they leave with. And then Jonathan, he tries to get a picture of the rat and he takes a picture of it. And then they leave. And then as soon as they leave, the rat um, explodes and then it turns into a pile of goop. And then it just starts going and running to the steel mill. So that's where kind of Jonathan and Nancy's story kind of like leaves off. And then we get back to, uh, shoot, I'm trying to remember. I already mentioned Hopper and Will's mom. I'm going to get to them in a minute, but uh, getting back to Billy. So Billy, um, he goes back to his lifeguard job and of course something is a little off with billy i mean we know what's going on but like the people there don't know and then he starts like kind of acting all woozy and stuff and then you know he feels himself um getting um uncomfortable because remember the mind flare gets uncomfortable in heat so you know in the summertime him being out in the sun you know it's gonna start you know burning him up and stuff so then that makes him like go back inside into the um the back of the pool area so you can just kind of cool off and then mike's mom comes back and billy like he's not responding to her though and mike's mom is apologizing said like look i can't cheat on my family and billy was about to kill her but then like um he decided not to because he didn't want to kill he didn't want to kill her um, or at least he took back control long enough to stop himself, stopping the mind flare from killing her. So then he just kind of said, leave me alone. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. And then he just left. And then he went into the showers 
And then um, one of his coworkers came while he was kind of blasting himself with cold water. And then he decided to knock her out and then take her hostage. And that wasn't Billy. That was just the mind flare at that point. Then we got over to um, Will's mom. Will's mom and Hopper. No, just Will's mom. So Will's mom was supposed to meet up with Hopper, but of course, you know, she stood Hopper up. And um, she did that because uh, her magnets, something to do with magnets, uh, weren't like connecting to metal. They were just like, they kept on falling. So she went over to Will, Mike, and Dustin's like old teacher to help explain what was going on with the magnets though. And it was something to do with electromagnetism and the something, some science stuff. I can't really explain it, but they come to the conclusion that there's a big electromagnetic force that's emanating from a certain thing somewhere near the town or at the town. And then my Will's mom, God gets uh, the idea that it's got to be the Hawkins lab. Something's still got to be going on there, but there couldn't be anything going on there because it's should be shut down. But we know better because we know that the Russians are doing something. Then we cut back over to Steve. Don't worry. I'm going to get to Hopper in a second. Um, and Steve and Robin uh, meet back up with D- Dustin uh, who's talking to like Steve and, you know, Steve and Dustin kind of have a thing now. So they're like buddy, buddy, you know, and then Robin's kind of like, you know, how many kids are you friends with? And then, you know, Steve gets her that look, which was kind of a, f- a funny scene. And then D- Dustin tells uh, Steve that he heard a message from a, what he believes at the time to be a Russian compound. And he says, there's something going on. And he has a, recording of the the message that he heard from his radio tower so he talks to steve and he said like can you help me decipher it and steve says yeah sure and then robin gets in on it and then you know robin you know she's able to like speak numerous different languages so then Robin starts to translate it. And then eventually they get a translation and they figure out it's a code of some sort. And then they kind of start to figure out, okay, the message um, is emanating from here somewhere because Steve hears um, a pony ride song. And it's the same song that's in the, uh, shoot. It's it's the same song that's in the uh, walkie talk, you know? So, that's where their thing cuts off. Then you get back to uh, Hopper. And Hopper, you know, starts talking to Joyce, Will's mom, about standing him up and stuff. And then uh, Joyce kind of tells Hopper, there's something going on at Hawkins. And then Hopper tell, is telling Joyce, you need to calm down. There's nothing going on. And then while Hopper is going on his temper tantrum, uh, Joyce makes her way to the Hawkins lab with Hopper and then they eventually get there though and Hopper is jumped by a Russian guy and then I believe what happens to him after that he gets his ass beat and then uh, Hopper and Joyce kind of go back to the house and then they kind of like decide what they're going to do next after that 
from that point onward, uh, Joyce and Hopper uh, start um, deciding how they're going to track the Russian guy down. And Joyce mentions that, you know, he got on a, a motorcycle, which is trackable because um, there was only like one guy that could be using a motorcycle in Hawkins. And Hopper remembers that um, the guy that was running for mayor, I forget his name, but he actually has a direct connection to him. So then Hopper heads over to his office, basically interrogates him bad cop style. And then gets information about what uh, the plans are, what they're planning to, to do in Hawkins. And then they find out that there's secret underground facilities where they're doing experimentation. And the 4th of July scene is all a ruse just to cover up what they're doing underneath the town. Uh, moving back on to Billy. Billy is like essentially recruiting uh, human zombies. And that's really what he does pretty much till the end of the season. Uh, then we get, uh, what happened? Oh, yeah, I think I mentioned that Ellie and Maxine, like, they went to the mall, though, because at this point, Ellie and uh, Mike are broken up. So Maxine and her have a little montage shopping moment. And then uh, Steve and Dustin along with Robin, they start to like crack the code more. And then they eventually get to the spot where they're housing all these chemicals that they find. And they end up recruiting. Um, I'm forgetting her name, but she's like the sassy character in the show. They recruit her to actually help them break into that section. Unfortunately, when Dustin and Steve are like pressing the buttons, uh, they press a button and then they find out it's an elevator but it's too late because by the time they f figure that out, uh, it just starts plummeting downwards to the basement part of the Russian facility. So then they're stuck down there. And then I believe after that, um, Dustin, not Dustin, but um, Mike, Lucas, and Will, uh, they pretty much team up with Elle and Mike, though, to kind of like start figuring out what's going on with Billy. And then I think they eventually uh, track down Billy and then they, to test to see if he's actually been possessed by the mind flare. And then they trap him in the, the gas chamber, not a gas chamber. It's a sauna. And they, uh, they shut the door though. And then you get like this really heart wrenching scene where Billy is um, really telling his sister that, you know, he's sorry and stuff and that he didn't, didn't mean to do any of the things that he did. He was just forced to do it because the mind flare is making him do it. And before the mind flare was able to get like out of him, uh, Billy, the mind flare uses Billy to like break out of the sauna. And then he starts to fight the kids and the kids like at first, like we're holding him off pretty decently, but keep in mind, like Billy is, you know, grown man and the kids, I mean, granted they can hold their own, but as far as like in a fight, they don't really stand up. They, they don't really stand much of a chance against Billy, especially now that he has like superhuman strength. So he pretty much wrecks all the kids though. And then um, Ellie, he almost gets her, but Elle is able to kind of hold him off and then shoot him through a wall. And then Billy basically, he runs off uh, to the hideout. And then he starts talking to his minions 
about, you know, they almost got me though. But um, one of his minions tells him, well, don't worry about it. Cause as long as they don't kill all of us, then we can still continue with our plan. So eventually um, all the minions that Billy has attained uh, basically start to merge into like this gigantic mind flare creature that essentially um, goes on the hunt to track down uh, L and the and the other parts of the gang. Meanwhile, um, back to Hopper and Joyce, they eventually track down uh, another guy. You guys probably know him from the previous season. I am forgetting his name, so I do apologize for that. But um, he um, essentially... Oh, actually, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. They they actually go down into... What would, Joyce and Hopper go down into one, one of the f- facilities um, and they find um, a scientist, one of the scientists that was responsible for getting the machine back operational. And then they take him out only to be like chased down by this Terminator like dude, which is the same dude that beat up Hopper originally when they were searching in the old Hawkins laboratory. And uh, after that, uh, they almost get killed by him, though, but they were able to escape with the Russian scientist. And uh, his name is Alexei. Yeah, that's the name of the Russian scientist. And then Hopper and Joyce like, take him hostage in a car along with the other dude. Well, not along with the other dude, but they take him to the dude's house that can actually speak Russian. And then he starts to translate for Alexei. And Alexei was being stubborn at first, though, so he wasn't really willing to tell him any of the information. But then he thought, well, if I go back, they're going to kill me anyway, so I might as well cooperate. So Alexei starts to tell him about, like, tell Joyce and Hopper about the other locations that are in Hawkins, but at, like, all the way on the edges of Hawkins. So they're not, like, in the part of the city that we see most of the time. They're, like, on the outskirts of the city, which is why no one was able to, like, find them and also because like they're underground so of course nobody would notice unless you you know we're doing steven dustin and we're able to hack into the signal but i digress about that uh so uh lexi hopper choice and the other guy they end up going to the carnival where the mayor is like hosting the fourth of july celebration Now going back over to Stephen Dustin's side of the story, uh, Stephen Dustin and Robin and the girl, they start to like make their way through the, the, uh, containment unit where the machine is being held. And then they find the, they, they find the room where the machine is actually at. Unfortunately though, after they find that they get caught. Now Dustin and the girl are able to escape, but Stephen and Robin do get captured and they get drugged on and they get beat up because the Russians are like, how did you discover this place? And they aren't listening, of course, because why would they believe like, you know, a couple of kids just so happen to discover a Russian base and just so happen to crack a code without any U.S. help. Like they, they're not giving any credit to the fact that, uh, you know, a girl, a high school educated girl and a guy could like crack the code. Cause it wasn't like that hard to crack once you, if you were able to decipher the language, cause that's really all they had to do before they got down there anyway. 
So then they get like this truth serum though, and they start to drug them. And then you also get like another nice moment between Robin and Steve, where you also start to think, are they like shipping Robin and Steve at that point? But then Dustin and the girl come to like save them, and then they get out. And then they just, uh, Dustin, the, the girl, Steve and Robin, like, are in the mall. Um, and at that moment, uh, Steve and Robin, um, after, like, after they throw up the drugs, uh, they kind of have, like, a little heart-to-heart moment, though. And that, that's when you find out that Robin is gay, I believe. Yeah, she tells Steve that, though. And then that pretty much just kind of, like, takes away the fact that they were shipping them, which I do like because, I mean... I wouldn't have minded if they got together, but it's also like cool that they didn't, you know, go that route because I think it would have been very predictable. So then um, they're in the mall. And as far as like uh, Billy goes, um, he sent basically the mind flare, which is the amalgamation of all the people that are just melted bones and organs into this big blob of a mind flare. Um, goes down and hunts down L, and it almost kills L. Fortunately, though, um, L was able to have the help of her friends, and her friends were able to stop the monster from eating her because otherwise L would have died there. Because <laughs> there's no way she would have like been able to fight off that thing or stop it from eating her. It was way too big and too strong. Um, it did, unfortunately, though, um, scratch her leg so it did actually put a little thing of itself into her leg which once again allowed the mind flare to uh, track down where uh where l and the other kids were now before this l actually did get to um see into billy's mind and f- find out like some of his deepest memories and kind of find out like why he became the way that he did, uh, which does kind of play later on into how L stops Billy or snaps him out of it. So at that point, um, I think the gang, they head over to the, they head over to the mall area, but first they go to a store because they're going to, they figure out like they're going to need like some, they're going to need L to heal up before uh, she can like take it on and, destroy the monster and then lucas uh, he gets the idea of you know getting fireworks uh to help kill the monster which also like they do you know end up using them later on but they don't like do that much of a job against it uh and then at this moment though that's when like um we find out that the uh mind flare is using the blood of l to like you know, put itself in her body and then kill her from the inside out. Luckily, when they got to the mall, uh, Jonathan and oh yeah, Jonathan and Nancy are at the mall. And I know I skipped over their story, but like nothing really happens much with them that I need to really talk about. Um, but anyway, they meet with them up at the mall and, uh, Jonathan uh, basically assists with getting the thing out of Elle's leg. And then you got like this really kind of surgery kind of scene where Elle like literally rips the monster like out of her leg. And then Hopper comes in right after that happens. And 
remember that Steve, Dustin, and Robin and the girl are still in the mall, so the, the Russians are about to kill them. And this would have occurred had L not, like, come in and, like, stop them by throwing a car against them, which probably did kill them. Or at least, you know, knocked them out, but I'm pretty sure it killed them. And then, like I said, after that, though, like, the Monday, L rips the monster out of her leg, but unfortunately, L is weakened at this point. And then uh, Hopper comes. Now, at this moment, this is when, like, the final episode is occurring, and this is when Hopper um, starts talking with the kids to figure out how they can stop the machine. So, as you know, Dustin, Steve, and all of them were down there. So the girl, who really hasn't had much to do in the season except just kind of be there and have comedy relief, which is needed, but a little too much, I would say, on her part. Um, she starts to talk to them about, you know, this is how you navigate through it. And then they kind of start to negotiate, well, you're not going to survive if you don't have us down there. But then I'm like, really? I mean, kind of Hopper and Joyce have been through the save the world thing twice already. I mean, you don't have enough faith that they'll survive on their own. So then they decide, okay, if we're not going to come with you, then at least we should be able to radio you if something goes wrong. So then Dustin and the rest of them, they go all the way out to the radio tower that Dustin put up at the beginning of the season to kind of, um, you know, relay directions to Hopper and Joyce to get through the Russian facility. Um, as they get through there, uh, they end up like dressing up as uh, the soldiers to kind of infiltrate it. And then they have to input like a code, essentially, to get like the kill key or the kill switch key. And in order to get this, um, they have to know Avogadro's number. And then uh, D Dustin finally reconnects with Susie. And then uh, we finally get to see who Susie is. And she was, like, talking to Dustin, like, I haven't talked to you in, like, forever, though. And you come to me asking, like, an equation that you should know. And then Dustin's like, we don't have time for this, though. I need to know the number because there's a lot at stake here. And then they end up singing a never-ending story because Susie otherwise would not have helped Dustin. So they sing that, and then Susie tells Dustin Avogadro's number which relays to Hopper and Joyce, and then Hopper is able to get the kill switch as well as Joyce, and then Joyce and Hopper start to head over to the machine. Meanwhile, um, L and all the rest of them are still there with the monster, the Mind Flare, getting ready to like kill, kill all of them. And then Billy, of course, is there. So, uh, yeah, so Nancy and, like, Jonathan couldn't like drive out of there because Bill Billy like kind of cut the he cut the wire to the engine so they couldn't leave. So as long as that was the case, they had to stay in the mall. Luckily, Steve and Robin went back and they just like knocked Steve out, which gave uh I believe yeah Nancy and them an opportunity to take uh, take them away or like take a. Yeah, yeah, to take the monster away, you know. However, Billy got back up, and L, um, L, Maxine, and Mike are still in there. And then because Bill's back up, oh, crap. Now the monster's heading back because, shoot, I don't care if you guys get away. As long as I kill L, then I, I'll just come back for you later. 
And then at this point, Jonathan and Nancy have to turn back around to go and uh, help Elle out. Uh, but before that happens, Bill ends up getting to Elle and them. Billy knocks Maxine out, and he knocks Mike out, and then he just takes Elle to the, the monster. And then the monster was about to pretty much eat Elle. But before that, uh, Nancy and Jonathan and the rest of the crew come back and they start throwing fireworks to kind of stop the monster. And this is the moment where you get this really very good heart-wrenching scene with Billy and L and L telling Billy, like, you don't have to be bad. And like, I know what you went through and you can, you can change. You just have to take control of your life kind of thing. And then Billy takes control um, and then Billy like starts to hold back the monster. And at this moment I was like kind of like getting chills and stuff because this is usually the moment where somebody's going to die. And then going back to Hopper and Joyce, um, Hopper and Joyce were about to like turn the keys when the Russian freaking Terminator guy uh, came in, came in there. Also, I did forget to mention the Terminator guy killed Alexi in a previous scene, but it didn't really matter to the overall plot. It's just, you know, he was just kind of there. Um, and then Hopper had to pretty much fight the guy. And then, because, you know, he knocked Joyce out. So then once Joyce got back up, she was like, oh, how am I going to turn both the keys at the same time to destroy the machine? So then Hopper and the Terminator guy were uh, kind of battling it out. And then eventually Hopper did get the upper hand. Uh, however, he was still with the machine. And if you remember from the first episode, anybody who was at the machine when the machine malfunction would get disintegrated so they would die so um hopper like told joyce to just go and pull it and at this moment like you know at the moment that joyce pulled it the machine just like pretty much exploded um and hopper was standing there so for all we know he might have been killed and then at that moment, Billy was killed also, like on screen killed. So he was dead for real, for real. Um, and then that was it. The, the mind flare just like died. And then the hole was closed. And then we leave from that scene to the final scene of the show where um, Will and the Byers family... Uh, have to move out of their house and that was like kind of an emotional scene though because you know it had like a lot of finality to it and it really felt like you know the characters at at, at this point didn't have much story left uh to go on towards and then joyce gave l the letter that hopper wrote that when he was trying to do the heart to heart to mike and them and you really got to see um hopper kind of like tell l that you know, his, his, his insecurities about her not wanting to change because L gave him the one thing that he had had in his life for a long time. And that was, um, love essentially. And, um, openness, like him opening his heart up to other people, which he hadn't, he had not been able to do in a long time. And now that he was gone, you know, L was like trying, he was seeing, seeing Hopper that, you know, he really was my father or, you know, my dad, as he said in the letter, and then Hopper ends like the note saying, "Just do, um, do your old dad a favor and leave the door just three inches open," which goes back to just making sure you always, you know, 
make sure you leave room for the people that care about you kind of thing. And uh, that was the end of the season as far as the story goes. And now uh, let's get into individual characters. All right, so the first character I'm going to talk about is Joyce Byers, uh, played by Winona Ryder. So Joyce throughout the season, early season three, was a little bit lackluster to me because I felt like her role was definitely downplayed. Like, not that she didn't have a reason to be a part of the season, but it's like it was just she was mainly just subjected to Hopper's love interest. And that was about it. Um, Unlike in season one and even like season two where, you know, her frantic and her worried nature and her paranoia like actually played a role because it helped to in season one save Will from the upside down. And even in season two, once again, uh, saving Will from his connection to the upside down. But other than that, like, I mean, in season three, like, what she didn't do that much except like kind of help save the day at the very end and throughout the entire season she just spent literally arguing with hopper about nothing uh most of the time and she was kind of a bit of an asshole because like you know she was really being kind of a bad friend to hopper i mean she didn't even like take the time i mean I, i get it like the magnets thing but I mean, she could have spent a little bit more time or communicated a little better with Hopper because at some points he was just, just, he was blatantly ignoring him only to then kind of come around at the very end. But at that point it was like too late because, you know, Hopper was gone. But anyway, that's all I got to say about Joyce. Um, Definitely not one of my favorites this season. Uh, Moving on to Jim Hopper. Hopper was probably... I think he was my favorite this season because like he's, he had like amazing development. I feel like, I mean, if it, if it was just this season alone, like, no, he wouldn't be my favorite, but as far as like over the course of season one, two and three, yeah, he definitely is probably one of my top characters because um, in season one, he was just like very shut in. Like he had, he didn't, he wasn't really talking to any of the main cast though. I mean, he knew who the main cast was. It was just, he was very just sheltered because he didn't, he, he didn't want to like have any emotional attachments to people because he had already been like hurt by the loss of his family, like his wife and his daughter. So in this season, it was nice to see him kind of like be more chill and a lot more, um, open, like a lot more emotional. And also, like, you know, with Eleven being his new daughter, I mean, it was, he was going to have to become more of a dad figure to Eleven. Uh, I did like his interactions, like with Mike and Eleven. I liked his interactions with Joyce, um, his interactions with the mayor. He had like a lot of like funny comedic scenes. Like, I think the scene where like I enjoyed him the most, besides like the first scene in season one uh, about the coffee, was when he was beating up the mayor i like really liked that whole police interrogation scene and i also really liked um the scenes between him and the terminator guy you know showing that he could still like kick ass despite like being you know a dad and having like a dad bod so that was really cool yeah um also like you know he almost did get me to cry at the end of the season just because of that letter it was like mm, it was really like kind of hit the heartstrings about um 
you know, how he felt about 11 though. And just as a person in general, though, it felt like that was something that he would have never said in season one, but like over the course of time, this is like the culmination of everything he's wanted to say to 11 since he met her. So yeah, Hopper is like, all right in my book, uh, moving on to Mike Wheeler. Um, Mike didn't really do much in the season either. He, um, had a little stuff with 11 and I thought it was like really cute. Um, the kissings with 11 were kind of cute. The, uh, stuff with him and Will, that was kind of, that was kind of dramatic. He had some good stuff there. And then as far as with like, um, Dustin and Maxine and Lucas, didn't really do much with them. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Don't really have much to say on Mike. He was just kind of there. He didn't really do it for me. And Mike's, I don't think Mike has never really been my favorite character either. Like across all the seasons, like I like him being in the role that he's in. It's just, he's not, um, not, not a character for me. Um, moving on to 11, uh, 11 was good, but also, I don't think she, she was mainly a plot device. I think I ought to say that um, because like I said, without 11, it, it definitely feels like this season more than ever, like was focused on without 11, we can't save the day. And I kind of didn't like that though, because it doesn't give credit to what all the other rest of the cast can do. I mean, 11 is essential because she has powers, but the way they were kind of like talking about how 11 was acting I mean, the only scene I actually really liked Eleven in was when she was spending time with Maxine in the mall because we got to see her like be a character instead of just being a plot device with superpowers. You know, I don't really like that because it just objectifies her to that one aspect of herself, which isn't really her. And that was something that was since the first season, she didn't want to have power. That was something that was forced to her and kind of is a bit of a burden because it's the one thing that connects her to her past which is a good thing but it also continually connects her to the upside down and still kind of ties her fate to the upside down which kind of like i'm going to talk a little bit more about that in my overall thoughts part um but yeah um 11 was just okay um not not the best um Dustin, Dustin was really good this season though. He had like a lot of good scenes with like, uh, Steven and honestly was the voice of reason, um, when he was with Steven though, which is kind of like a play on what happened in season two where, where Steven was given Dustin advice on how to, um, get girls and stuff. But in this season, uh, I really liked his relationship with Steve because it felt, feels like he's grown and he's matured a lot. Um, as he's like kind of hung out with Steve though. And, you know, learned that, you know, Steve's not all up to snuff though. And, you know, he, he calls Steve out, which I definitely like about him kind of having lost his touch and also him pointing out the obvious in a lot of cases. Um, it is still nice to see he's still like a, a nerd and he's still willing to uphold, you know, his character as that. And he doesn't like, like other characters, like kind of n- knock him down. You know, he's still, same Dustin that was in season in season one and in season two. So I definitely liked the Dustin. Caleb, I literally have nothing to say about Caleb because Caleb didn't do anything 
Like, he did nothing this season at all. So I'm just going to skip over him. Uh, Will Byers, similarly, Will did nothing and, once again, was used as a plot device. Um, He had really no character, except, like, for one scene where he was doing Dungeons & Dragons, but that felt really forced to me, though. It didn't... It felt like they had to put that in there to give Will, like, a, a scene, but he had no other scenes besides that, except for when his neck was tingling. Uh, and that was about it. And he was also a bit of a wimp. I mean, like, I know Will, like, is, you know, he was an upside down, so he's so traumatized by that. But I don't know. They didn't, he, he could have done more and they could have made him a little bit more confident. You know, it, it felt like he, they were rehashing season, season one, um, quite a bit where, uh, I mean, like Will didn't like run off in season one, but it was similar to like the opening where like Will kind of left the house on the bike for a minute there. I thought they were going to have him get captured by like the upside down again, but then I thought that might be a little bit redundant. So I don't think they were going to do that, but um, like I said, my calling him out for being uh, not into girls was kind of like, yeah, I mean, I see they're kind of trying to push the, trying to like kind of hint at will potentially being gay, but it's not really confirmed. So I'm not going to say anything on that because I honestly don't know what that, what the implications of that uh, scene are for Will's character. I mean, if it does make him more developed in season four, then I'm up for that. Um, but I'm going to talk about that in the overall thoughts part. Once again, moving on to Maxine, Maxine was actually pretty cool. In this season, I definitely liked her interactions with Elle. I liked a little bit of development that she got with Billy, even though, I mean, we, we know her relationship with Billy wasn't really good, though, but I kind of wish we could have seen more of more interactions, more interactions between Billy and Maxine. So we got to be more emotionally invested in Maxine's side, um, you know, for Billy. But um, Maxine was cool. Um, like I said, not my favorite, but she served the purpose pretty well that she was meant to serve in the season, which was really development more so for Elle. Um, let's see, who's next? Oh, Nancy Wheeler, yeah. So Nancy, uh, once again, I mean, she didn't, she was just kind of there. Um, she, I mean, I, I enjoyed like her interactions with Jonathan I definitely liked her standing up for what she believed in. That was kind of cool in the newspaper company scenes. But uh, she didn't get a lot of screen time. So, yeah, like she didn't do that much. I don't have any anything really to say, though. I mean, she did help the main cast out at the very end, but her contribution wasn't that large. And same thing with Jonathan Byers. He was kind of there. They had some scenes, really. This he was in the same scenes with Nancy. So, it well once again equally didn't he did I think even less than Nancy did, you know. Except like he did kind of help Elle get you know the monster out though. But like I said, he they they started to do more stuff towards the end, but they didn't like really do much in the intermediary parts of the story where I kind of wish I could have seen more of them. Um, Steve Harrington, Steve Harrington was really great. I liked his development, uh, with Dustin. 
and him being kind of Steve was kind of the underdog uh, character. He was uh, in this season because he kind of had to get his mojo back. I definitely liked um, when he punched the Russian soldier because that was the first time he actually won a fight, um, which was kind of cool. And I love his talk with Robin, though, and him coming to the realization that popularity isn't everything and that he was kind of a douchebag to everybody he um, met in high school. So that was kind of cool that he came to that realization. So he's definitely one of my favorites for the season. But I, he's not better than Hopper, but he's definitely probably a number two. Uh, Robin, oh, wait, no, 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 Billy. Now, Billy, literally, like, they made me love Billy this season, though. Like, the hard-ass douchebag, more so than Steve ever was, kind of abusive. Um, they... They got they got a good look into his psyche as a character, though, and I liked that we got to see him as a kid and what happened to him and what caused him to be the way he is now. And I definitely liked the interactions with him and the Mind Flare. I love the fighting back and forth. It was definitely Mr. Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing, where he was kind of going back and forth, even though Billy never gave him full, full-on control because he was still fighting even when he wasn't in control. And the final scene literally got me chills, feels all over the place, though. And I loved his redemption of him saving L. That was really well done. And uh, he's probably like, I, honestly, he might be higher than Hopper. Um, if it was like for this season alone, like in season three, I think he's he was a, a better character than Hopper. But I still think Hopper's my favorite because that ending scene with Hopper just really did it for me. Billy's redemption arc, though. I think, um, yeah, I'm going to say Billy is my number two for this season. Overall, Steve is number two, but like Billy uh, for this season is number two, and Steve would be up under him. Uh, Robin, don't have much to say on her. She did what she did her part. Uh, it was nice to see um, her um, give the heart to heart to Steve, though, and give her feelings on him. And other than that, um, her parts in it were just enjoyable and quite entertaining and funny at moments. So that's all I got to say on her. Erica St. Clair, I'm going to skip her because she was just there for mainly comedy re comedy relief. She did do that one scene where she crawled through the vents, but other than that, she didn't do anything. Um, and then Karen Wheeler, um, also not much to say about her. Um, she was just one. She was taken over like in, I don't know, episode two or three so uh yeah but anyway that's all i have to say on the characters and now i'm going to move into my overall thoughts for this season and some of my predictions for what i want to see from the next season okay so what did i think about the season overall uh i do think that this is the best season of stranger things overall like periods better than season one's better than season two graphically uh emotions wise writing maybe not but um definitely those other two it's probably the best the reason i say that is because this season had like it was the end of an arc kind of thing like it, it ended up a lot of the characters dilemmas for the most part now that there is a little room for growth in terms of the kids but as far as like the adults or the older characters like I don't see 
I think Steve's character is done. I think Jonathan's done. I think Nancy's character is done. Hopper's character is definitely done. Joyce's is done. And uh, who's, is there any other, I mean, Billy is dead. So, I mean, his is obviously done. And I mean, there really isn't much left. And I think that's what made this season kind of feel good. And honestly, I don't really want another season because I feel like this season, like it, 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 Stranger Things hit its peak here with this season. And I think it's only going to go downhill from here. I don't think they can best this. Um, but you know why? Because like I think they're going to do a similar formula with the characters being older. And I don't think it's going to have that same appeal because when characters grow up, they're just going to act different and the character isn't going to mesh as well with the audience. Granted, I mean, like the characters are growing up with the kids that are watching it. So, I mean, that fan base is going to be there, but it's, I don't think it's going to be as strong or as likable in the next season because I feel like they're going to have to do a time skip. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, the best parts of the season were like the ending parts though. And the visuals and, you know, you really felt like something was at stake in this season for sure. Like you felt like certain characters could die at any moment. It's similar with season one though, where it's like you, you know, you felt like something bad could happen like at any given time, you know, that's what I think. Uh, season two was missing a little bit of that. And, uh, I mean, also in like season three, they didn't have like any size stuff. Like, you know, on season two, they had like that episode where they were talking about the other superhuman kids. I kind of am glad they did not pick that storyline back up. Cause I think that was like literally the weakest episode in season two. And if they would have focused on them in this season, it would have like brought the season way, way down in the ratings. Uh, because, in season three, they focused on just the main kids, just like they did in season one, and that's why it was good, because we like the main characters. So when you start adding in new characters that haven't really gotten any development, it's kind of like difficult to have them mesh with the already developed characters. So, yeah, overall, uh, I give this... My rating of this season is definitely like a 10 out of 10. Um, now, if I... If we do get another season, like I said, I want there to be um, a time skip and I want them to be around like age 18 and 19 or potentially 20, but like definitely 18. And I want it to be like a Scooby-Doo kind of theme. Like I want to, I want them to end season. I want season four for one thing to be the last one. And I want them to become the Scooby-Doo gang. And I know the Scooby-Doo gang isn't like a 80s thing, but for the most part, Stranger Things like has Scooby-Doo vibe. It's just like a darker version of Scooby-Doo, except they don't have the dog. So if they do that, I think we'll be satisfied. And granted, though, I still think season three is going to be better than season four, but at least it'll end on a strong note if they do that. And they end all the character arcs and they don't introduce any new characters. Uh, but unfortunately, though, because money is always a factor in these things, you know, there is always a potential season five. And if they do a season five, I'm telling you, it's going to be drawn out. And I don't think it's going to be good because I think they should just keep it at four and just end the story on a strong note and don't try to drag it for the sake of money. But I don't have any control over those things. So it just is what it is going to be. 
And with that, that concludes my review on Stranger Things. I hope you guys enjoyed my thoughts, and I would like to hear what you have to say. Um, if I mean, you can't comment on the podcast, though, but those of you who are on like my social media pages, though, just like I would like to hear your thoughts on what you thought about the season overall and uh, what you expect for uh, the seasons to come in the future. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I'll see you guys next Thursday, uh, with another new topic at another, at another time, at another day, at another place. And I will see you later. Bye. Oh, and one more thing. If you're wondering where, where you, where you can find this podcast, you can find this on anchor.fm slash Greg talks. That's anchor a N C H O R.com slash G R E G T A L K Z. And you can also find it on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's probably on that platform. Just look up Greg Talks. It's G-R-E-G-T-A-L-K-Z. And as far as YouTube goes, the YouTube channel is on hiatus, so don't go looking for any episodes there. I have posted like probably episodes one through nine on my YouTube channel. So if you want to look at those on YouTube, you can, but, um, if you're looking for like the newer content, that's just going to be audio only for right now, at least until I can figure out how to create a audio visual for you guys. So you're not just looking at a blank screen. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So go and follow my podcast on anchor.fm if you have time though. And I will see you guys next Thursday.